Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's this missing element with all of their games, including the quarterback, and that is the fourth quarter game-winning drive, the seal it, that we're going to end the game and put our foot on your throat and end it, right? The Bears are missing that. We'll be diving in on that topic here right off the jump, but we also have thoughts on Chase Claypool's slow start, the sudden emergence of new fan favorite Jack Sanborn, the linebacker, and has Larry Borum been benched? All that coming up later in the program, but first and foremost, it's the Bears Wire podcast. Great to have you with us. I'm Ryan O'Leary, joined as always by Alyssa Barbieri, the managing editor of USA Today's Bears Wire. Alyssa, how you doing this week? I'm doing good. Uh, even though the Bears lost their third straight game, uh, I think it's safe to say that Justin Fields ha- has arrived and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And man, it's just so much fun waking up on a Sunday, watching football, knowing that Justin Fields is your quarterback. It's just so much fun. And it's made this season that's been rough, uh, even all, all the more bearable, especially knowing where this thing is headed uh, as we go into 2023. But I mean, I have to admit, though, losing to the Lions, I mean, that. I mean, it wasn't as fun as the Dolphins game, I will say, because the Bears should have should have beaten the Lions. It's just as simple as that. They blew a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter, you know, couldn't pull it out in the fourth there. Cairo Santos mixed missed extra point when he's been Mr. Automatic this year. I mean, but then again, maybe that's the football gods doing the Bears a favor here and getting them closer uh, to a top five draft pick. They currently have the sixth overall pick, you know, so I don't you know. There are There is optimism coming out of this game, and that all starts with fields. Yeah, for sure. I mean, thank you. Thank you, Lions. You know, I guess the Lions are yeah. not obsessed with tanking as, as much as I probably thought. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't want my team actively trying to tank. And you, you listen to Justin Fields after the game. He wasn't trying to lose Alyssa, right? He's actually... In the post game, he has to tell the reporters, "I don't care about all the records I'm setting every week." <laughs> that's how that's how great he's been playing, right? The heater he's on. I don't care about all the records. I just want to win. I thought that was kind of interesting, but yeah, I, I get it. I'm I'm with you, right? the The way the Bears lost this game to a division opponent and a bad Lions team, it does stick with you a little bit. Although last week we were joking about how you know the Bears have been checking all our boxes, entertaining football, good quarterback play lose and get a good draft pick and they've been checking all the boxes and this one does check those boxes I just think you know Fields has been amazing Alyssa and you had a post on Bears Wire earlier this week folks might want to go on there and just scroll down and find it it was a post on all the records Fields did set in week 10 alone and once you click on that article you have to scroll way down because Fields broke a ton of different records in this one game that's how great he's been uh, but one thing is missing from Fields's game. Luke Getze's game, the Bears' entire offense, the Bears' entire operation. I'm going to include everyone, Alyssa. The fourth quarter, finish the game, game-winning drive, uh, all of it, right? All of that, that thing. That There's this missing element with all of their games, including the quarterback, and that is the fourth quarter game-winning drive, the seal it, the, the, we're going to end the game and put our foot on your throat and end it, right? The Bears are missing that. They're missing that, right? And as fun as, enter, as fun and entertaining 
as the Bears offense has become since they've unleashed fields and basically let him leave the pocket at will whenever he wants. And it's been entertaining as, as hell, and I love it. I, I can't wait to watch the Bears every week because fields has been that mesmerizing. But it all changes when the Bears find themselves in these late game situations where they have to pass, block, pass, catch, call it right, coach it right, all of it, all of it together. Something changes there, Alyssa, and that's that's a problem. This season has been a year of progression for this Bears offense. It's actually been very interesting watching, obviously, from you know how far they've come since week one through week six, where just things were not clicking at all, and then that mini bye week happening, and you know the Bears going, you know, doing their homework and realizing what they need to do to open this offense up. And you're seeing the players get more comfortable. You're seeing what happens when they prioritize Justin Fields and utilizing his strengths and the offense just opened up. And like you said, the one thing that next step now is they need to learn how to finish games, how to close it out in the fourth quarter. You know, there have been multiple times over the last few weeks, even, you know, before things turned a corner after the mini bye week where the offenses had the ball on the last drive or with a chance to go down and tie or win a game. And they simply haven't been able to pull it out. And as you said, Brian, I mean, it's, a lot of different things, right? You know, it's the quarterback, it's the receivers, it's the offensive line, it's the play calling, it's everything. And they keep, when you kind of, when the players are asked about it, the one word kept coming up and it's execution. And it's like, it's simple, but that's the thing that's missing from that. And it's kind of like, what is changing from what they've been able to do in the first three quarters of a game when they are just loading up points and being able to move the ball to that last drive? when they're just falling short and it kind of seems it's kind of seemed like the moment was a little too big, but like, I don't know. It's, it's a combination of things and they really need to hammer that out. That is the next step that this offense needs to figure out. And I mean, I'm not used to having faith uh, in this, in a bears offense, but I have a feeling that they are going to get there this season. And it's just a matter of time, right? We, we've seen it. Sometimes it's taking a little bit longer, but at the same time, it's kind of, what's best for the bears in the long run, right? You know, they're going to learn how to win, how to finish games out, but then they're also getting one step closer to a higher draft pick for the future when it's going to be even more important. So yeah, like like you said, I mean, they need to finish, but you know, it's been really fun to kind of watch the progress of this offense and knowing that every time Justin Fields has the ball in his hands, which is, which is on every play that something amazing can happen and that they can pull out one of those fourth quarter drives coming up soon. Yeah, well, what's fun is they're scoring like 30 points a game now, Alyssa, so they're always in it at the end. Because <laughs> when you <laughs> score 30 a game, you're going to be in it. So yeah, it's been it's been great. And uh, But these these end-of-game situations have uh, have really been telling, right? And, and this one against the Lions was no different. The Lions score, they take the lead, but they leave Fields with 216 on the clock. He's at his own 20, need a field goal, all three timeouts. And me as a fan, I'm sure you're like this too, Alyssa. I'm sure a lot of Bears fans are like this. I like... I get on the edge of my seat. I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go, Justin. Like, it's it's these situations where, you know, you kind of, you brought that up when you were talking just a minute ago, like, what changes? It's just situational football, right? It's what Eberflus has to keep drilling with the, with the team. They have to keep working on these situations, these end of game, because it's just different on the final drive than it is in the first quarter, right? The pressure, all of that. It's just, it's just a whole different animal, a whole different ball game. Either you have that gene in you or you don't as a team, as a quarterback. And, they start this drive against the Lions with a designed fields run, right? Goes for five yards. Okay, fine. That's a nice little starter. But then you go deep to Claypool, incomplete. 
you go incomplete to Montgomery, but you get a flag on the defense. So you get a first down. So now it's first and 10 from the 30 with 145 left. Incomplete to Cole Komet. Second down, field sacked. Third and a mile, you, you check one down to Montgomery to get a little bit of room. Now you use your first time out. But now there's 112 remaining, and it's fourth and eight. And Fields gets sacked for a loss of 10, <laughs> right? When he's going backwards, it was just a disaster. And you run seven plays, you net two yards on that drive against the worst defense in football. So, yeah, again, yeah, like you said, Alyssa, the next step in the development of Fields and Getzi as a play caller is for these late-game situations uh, to get ironed out, right? Because the high-flying touchdown runs are amazing and fun. But to win consistently, you have to be able to execute at the end of the game. And that's what we're talking about. And it's only it's not only this Lions game, right? The Dolphins game. Very similar situation. You're down three with two minutes to go. The Bears get a first and 10 at their own 42, needing only a field goal to tie and can't go anywhere, right? We, that was the, the situation where we needed the ref to throw the flag. Uh, the, that's the only chance the Bears had in that game. The ref had to throw the flag on the, on the PI to Claypool. He didn't throw it. The Bears end up losing. The Washington game, we all remember that one where the Bears go all the way down after a great fields run. You get all the way down there. Mooney can't squeeze it at the front pylon. Ball game. You can't figure out how to punch it in there at the end. The Vikings game, this one's not on the offense. This is just the whole team, Alyssa, right? You're driving for, well, this one was actually on the offense. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Bears driving for a potential game-tying score. Smith-Marset, we don't miss you that much, Smith-Marset, sorry. He fumbles, game over. And then Giants game was the one Valus Jones muffed the punt when the ball uh, was about to come back to fields in the offense uh, with what, you know, down eight with a chance to go and tie with a two point conversion. So, and touchdown. So, the Bears only have one game winning like play this year, Alyssa, quote unquote, and it was the field goal against the Texans. But if you remember, the defense got the interception to set up the offense for the field goal. The, the offense didn't have to move the ball, they just had to run out the clock and kick it. So, this situation has popped up time and time again this year. And it's the same story. The Bears cannot figure out for the life of them how to finish these games. So uh, it is very, very telling, right? Once once you get into that situation, they just don't have it. So be interesting to see how that plays out the rest of this season and next year. Like that is something the coaching staff really has to iron out if the Bears are going to be a great team and start winning this division. Yeah, no, and it's interesting that you pointed out like the situational football and how specifically at the end of games they're not connecting, right? And we we've all seen that. When, you know, going back to the Lions game, I remember at the end uh, when they scored their touchdown in the the last two minutes, you know, uh, Fox showed this interesting stat about how I can't even remember exactly, but it was, you know, the Bears had scored the most points at the end in the final two minutes of a half of any team in the NFL. So it's kind of like they have those situational drills at the end of the half that they are able to move the ball effectively and get in the end zone and score points, you know, not unlike what they should be able to do at the end of a game, too. So that's something... I think that they should be able to fix uh, and hopefully that hopefully they do because they show that they can move the ball quickly uh, within two minutes and go down and score. It's just, it's half, at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. It's just, I don't know if like it's the pressure or just like, you know, and it's a combination of, of everybody isn't on the same page and everybody isn't executing. But I found that really interesting because, you know, they're one of like the, the worst teams at not being able to score in the final two minutes like of the fourth quarter, but they are like the best in the league when we're talking about, you know, the final two minutes heading into the, into the, into halftime. That's a killer stat. That is really interesting. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just a different animal when the game's on the line, right? You just squeeze the ball a little bit uh, tighter. I think fields is starting to, he's, he's learning his way through that, Uh, but it's not all on him. It is the pass blocking, the pass catching, the play calling, 
all of it. The Bears just have to figure all of that out. It's been kind of a mess across the board at the end of games. And that's why the Bears are three and seven, and we're picking number six if the draft were tomorrow, Alyssa, which is not oh, not entirely a horrible thing when you have an exciting football team that just doesn't have a clue how to win right now. Uh, so that's where we're at. All right, much more to come on the show, uh, including what did Alyssa think about Chase Claypool? Very quiet game for Claypool. Fans are chirping a little bit. We'll get into that here coming right up. But first, let's set our fantasy lineups with the huddle.com. This is the typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Rory Benini with the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number 11. The New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones versus the Detroit Lions. Jones isn't an option for the faint of heart. He has 20 or more fantasy points in two of the last three games, but just 10.8 sandwich in between. Jones's role has been mostly that of a game manager in 2022, and he's thrown zero touchdown passes in four of nine contests. This week, trust him versus Detroit's laughable defense of the position. No team has given up more fantasy points on the year, and much of the success is due to four rushing touchdowns allowed. This profiles well for a gamble on Jones in a week in which three viable starting quarterbacks are on by. Running back Isaiah Pacheco at Los Angeles Chargers. We saw him take over the backfield last week with 16 carries, but he has no role as a receiver, which makes him a risky play when facing a tough ground matchup. Luckily, this isn't one of them. LA has allowed the second most rushing yards per game since week 5, and a touchdown every 22 attempts is the seventh highest frequency. Barring something freaky happening, the rookie should be a strong fantasy play as LA looks to contend with all of the weapons in KC's powerful offense. Wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones at Buffalo Bills. He has quietly emerged as one of the best PPR number 3 receiving options in fantasy over the last six weeks. Peoples-Jones has logged at least nine PPR points in three of those contests, and he has more than 11 fantasy points in four straight. It's fair to assume that the attention paid to Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper will work in concert with a likely pass-heavy script from Cleveland to get Peoples-Jones into double figures yet again. Don't be scared off by the name of Buffalo. This defense has yielded the fourth most yards per game to wide receivers since week five, and only five defenses have allowed receivers to score at a higher clip. New York Jets tight end Tyler Conklin at New England. In the Week 8 Patriots win, Conklin racked up a pair of touchdowns on six catches for 79 yards. New England has struggled to contain the position all year, and it shouldn't come as a surprise if Conklin once again finds the end zone. Even still, Conklin is a fringe fantasy play in most formats, but deserves a lineup spot for those desperate to wager on another touchdown. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. one 800 4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. It's our questions of the week segment for Alyssa. It's a segment that I just randomly pull out whenever I feel like it and throw questions at Alyssa. Uh, and here's question number one for you, Alyssa. I'm excited to get your response because it was another slow day for wide receiver Chase Claypool. Two targets, one catch, eight yards. Fans chirping a little bit on social media. Are you worried at all that in two games, the addition of Claypool has done nothing to really jumpstart the passing game, right? We're still seeing the running game obviously be the story. Fields using his legs outside the pocket is the story. The volume remains low for uh, Claypool and just the passing game in general. And Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney really still remain the preferred targets, it seems, for Fields. So are you worried at all that Claypool hasn't really 
his addition hasn't really been a big boost yet to the offense, Alyssa. Yeah, that's interesting because when we kind of look at his first game that he played against the Dolphins, he had, what, like 25 snaps in his first game, and that decreased against the Lions, and he had 19, which is, you know, unacceptable, especially when you have Matt Eberflus saying that, you know, they're expanding, uh, you know, these plays for Claypool and going to get him more involved, and that's exactly what we did not see. But at the same time, I'm not overly worried at this point because he's been with this team for less than two weeks, uh, and he's still learning the playbook. You know, um, but at the same time, you do want to see them get him more involved. And yes, Fields is doing a lot of running. And that's the thing. You want to have the passing game open up a little bit more. And I really would have expected to see a little bit more of that, especially against the Lions, who have the worst defense in the league. I really thought this could have been like a mini breakout game for Chase Claypool in Chicago kind of thing. Um, I'm not overly concerned at this point. Now, as we go, you know, later down the season, if this is still happening, obviously red flags are going to going to be flying everywhere because, you know, you want to get him involved because you just traded your second, your second round pick, which is going to be, I mean, at this point, it's, it's, it's almost a first round it's climbing. Pick. <laughs> so yeah. So for, you want to see more out of Claypool, but again, I, I think it's more on the coaches, not utilizing him at this point. And you need they need to get him more involved. And I know again it's he's rough, he's he's new, he's learning the playbook, and it's taken we we've seen how long it's taken the guys that have been here since the offseason to really get comfortable in this offense. But at the same time, you can devise some plans, you know, plays uh for Claypool and just you know have him go downfield and throw him the ball, right? So I mean you do want to see him a little bit more involved on offense. I'm not too concerned at this point. But again, I think this is something that we should revisit down the line. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the game against the Falcons. Maybe they open it up a little bit more for him. Uh, we shall see. But you really want to see him out there because this is – you have half a season to have him and Fields really develop a, a connection and really get that chemistry going before the offseason. So that way when they head into the 2023 season, it's kind of like where Fields and Mooney were and Fields and Komet were at that point where they're very comfortable with each other and go out and just play ball. So – I mean, yeah, it's, I'm not happy about it, especially when you have, I think Byron Pringle had more snaps than him. He was just coming off of IR. And I know Poles went out and signed him to a, you know, a $4 million contract for one year and all this stuff. And then like Nikhil Harry was a healthy scratch, which I didn't agree with. And like, I'm not sold in Equinania St. Brown. I mean, I'm just, I'm a little concerned with the overall usage of receivers at this point that is not Darnell Mooney. (laughs) You know, or Cole Komet, who's the tight end, obviously. But yeah, it, it's interesting because I, you would expect them to get him a little bit more involved as it go, ease him, ease him in a little bit more. But that did not happen last week, so I expect to see, I expect to see him out in the field a lot more uh, on Sunday against the Falcons. Yeah, I like your take about it being on the coaches because it's like Ryan Poles is like challenging Getsy and Eberflus to throw it more. Right. It's almost like he is. He's like, Here, here's Chase Claypool, guys. Got you, Chase Claypool. Go ahead and go ahead and try to pass it a little bit more. Right. But the volume in the passing game is just not quite there. It's not only the snaps for Claypool. It's just the, the passing game volume. It's there's just like this reluctance to go there. Uh, and of course, we're right now we're in this the, the middle of this Justin Fields rushing heater which, where he's doing unprecedented things. So I get it. Uh, but yeah, it's almost like. Hey, I got you guys a new shiny toy to play with in the in the passing game. Why don't you why don't you use them a little bit? Hopefully they do against Atlanta. That is the worst pass defense in football, Atlanta. So opportunity there. Oh. Go play in indoors on the turf in Atlanta. 
worst passing defensive football, maybe some opportunities for Chase Claypool. We'll talk about that matchup here coming up. But Oh, go ahead. Yeah, but at the same time, too, you look at what the Bears have been doing on the ground, which is insane. They're the only team in NFL history to rush for 225-plus yards in five straight games. So that is your strength, and it's working. And when everybody knows that that's what you're going to do. So I understand why we're not seeing the usage as much, like on offense and in the passing game. They don't pass as often as they run. That much is clear. And why do you need to when the run game is working as well as it does? So, I mean, it's not a huge surprise, but you do want to see that start to change a little bit, you know, week by week gradually, because obviously we're in a passing league. Yes, it's great to run the ball and everything, but we really want to see Justin Fields air it out. We know what he can do on the ground. We want everyone to see what he can do through the air. Yeah, 100 percent. Like, I agree with everything you just said. Right now, defenses are starting to understand what the Bears want to do. They still can't stop it because Fields has been that unbelievable and he is that good in the open field. But it will catch up to you. It will eventually catch up to you. You have to be able to do both. You have yeah. to be balanced. So, yeah, we have Chase Claypool. Let's try to be a little bit more balanced. But I, I, I'm with you. I understand right now. You are on a heater. You just got to ride it out. And then we'll try to throw it a little <laughs> bit more after the heater's done. Uh, okay. Question number two, Alyssa. Since Larry Borum, a guy we haven't talked about in a while because we haven't seen him on the field, he missed time. Uh, man, it was like three or four weeks ago. He missed some time with a concussion, right? And he hasn't gotten his job back. It's been Riley Reef, the veteran, starting and playing every snap at right tackle for the last three games. I looked at the the snap chart. Riley Reef, he played every snap, and Borum didn't, and he was healthy. So has Borum been officially benched by the coaches? Have the coaches moved on from him this season? What do you think? Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, when he was uh, cleared from concussion protocol, uh, you know, three weeks ago, you know, them sitting him, you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe they want to give him another week. You know, he didn't practice all week and Riley Reef did, you know, did fine in replacement of him. But then over the last two games, they clearly have benched Larry Borum in favor of Riley Reef. And I'm not really surprised considering, I mean, Borum's had his, his struggles this year, but also Riley Reef has been very solid in his place. So at this point, it's kind of like, okay, why, you know, don't mess with a good thing. Right. Uh, when it's working, especially on the offensive line, when you just want something to work, you want it to be good enough. Uh, it's not going to be great this year. Uh, you want it to just be enough for Justin Fields to you know, give him a little bit of time. Like there was actually one play in this game against the Lions. I've never heard this before since Justin Fields has been here, by the way. And it was, wow, Justin Fields has all day back there. Never heard that <laughs> all day to throw in the last two years. Never heard that. That was on one. I was like, what? That is the cleanest pocket he's had in Chicago since he got here. Um, again, like I think that Riley Reef is, do, is doing a solid job. And, you know, I feel like looking ahead to next uh, to the offseason, you know, we we remember Ryan Poles doesn't have any allegiance to anyone he hasn't drafted. Right. Except for maybe Justin Fields at this point. So I think it's safe to say that anyone's fair game to ha- either be released uh, to not be resigned, to have their starting job replaced. So I think that Borum certainly qualifies under that. I think the Bears have a lot of confidence in Braxton Jones, uh, the fifth round rookie that's at left tackle. You know, he's been pretty, he's been really good uh, this year, especially, you know, as a rookie uh, and learning this offense. And he's, I think he'll benefit from a, from a, from an off season of being able to kind of uh, just, you know, you know, bulk up and, you know, kind of learn this playbook a little bit more and get some work in. But I think Larry Borum, it's, kind of like the writings on the wall at this point. I think we're seeing that Ryan Poles is kind of indicating, uh, you know, what he's going to be looking for, which obviously is going to be the tackle position. Uh, and obviously they're going to need some interior, uh, or at least a center 
perhaps, you know, depending on how they feel about Lucas Patrick, who hasn't been able to stay on the field. I just think it's going to be really interesting because I feel like we could be seeing the end of Larry Borum, at least in the starting role. And I don't think I'd necessarily rule out them maybe bringing back Riley Reef next year. Um, maybe not in a starting role, maybe so. Cause I mean, it's really good to have a solid veteran like him that's able to step in like he did for Borum and perform better. Uh, so at this point, yeah, it's unfortunate for Borum, but at the same time, you don't want to mess with what's working on this offensive line. And Ryan Poles has made it clear that, you know, he's going to do what he feels is best for this team. And the offensive line is going to be one of the main focuses uh, of this off season. And it does look like Borum is part of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had to uh, catch up on Riley Reef. I had to look him up a little bit, Alyssa, because I I, could, <laughs> I barely realized he. But that's a good thing when you don't realize he's out there. Um, you know, it's hard. I'd be mean, like, wow, he has been starting of all this time over Borum, and uh, just the age alone. Like Reef is thirty three. He, he is like you just said. He is a veteran. He's ten years older than Borum. So like, when you're a rebuilding team and you're trying to see what you got on your roster, you would think the young guy would get the uh, the precedent, but that's not the case with Reef and. Now, somebody in his late thirties, Alyssa, I I can't um, I can't imagine being thirty three and blocking some of the best defensive ends in football. <laughs> like I can't I can't imagine doing that. Riley Reef is doing a good job, so uh, yeah, I, I think well the writing might be on the wall for Borum. We're gonna have to pay attention to that going forward and see how that develops. Here's question number three, though. I want to flip this to the defensive side of the football. We have not talked about the defense too much because what's that topic, Alyssa? The defense blows since we traded Roquan and Robert <laughs> Quinn. So like what? Like what are we talking about here? No surprise. They're giving no surprise. the Bears have scored 124 points in the last four games. Amazing. They've given up 129. <laughs> so, uh, which that's not that much more than they've scored, which is amazing. You know, it just shows you how close these games have been. Uh, but here's a defensive question. Question number three: Have the Bears stumbled upon a starting middle linebacker and rookie Jack Sanborn? Fans are loving him, Alyssa, all over the field. Undrafted uh, fr- rookie free agent, right? Uh, tell me a little bit about Jack Sanborn. Is he a starter for this team? Yeah, that was, I mean, the lone bright spot on defense. I mean, the defense looked horrible, but I was, you know, watching Jack Sanborn have his his mini breakout game there or having, having his breakout game there for the Bears. And I think really showing that he is in play for a starting job next year, because obviously a lot's going to change this offseason. But, you know, that's one of the positive implications of trading Roquan Smith. Obviously, you don't want to lose a guy like Roquan. And yes, it sucks, but at the same time, you know, you get the draft capital, but you also get to see what some of these young players uh, have. And, you know, Sam Bourne's been on the bench, right? Because they didn't need him. Uh, and now he's getting that opportunity and he had an impressive day. I mean, it's really not a huge surprise when you consider like what he did in the preseason. He was the preseason standout for the Bears and what he was able to do. And, you know, even then I was saying he had earned you know, some starting reps, you know, right at that point, like even in the preseason and you wanted to give him an opportunity to win a starting job. Uh, but getting to see him out there, he was just really impressive. His instincts and he always seems to be in the right spot at the right time and the way he tackles. He had a couple sacks in this game, leading the team with 12 uh, tackles. I mean, and that interception, I was like, I got like a flashback to uh, on that interception that didn't count. I had yeah. got like a little flashback to Brian Urlacher, just the way he leaped and did it. Not comparing Sanborn to Urlacher, but High just saying like, Lisa. I was like, I okay, it. I was like, I was like, that was a play and it doesn't count, but it doesn't take away the fact that it happened. And that's something that Matt Eberflus was, he, he was, he's been singing his praises since the end of the game. Like you can tell Eberflus is really high on, on Sanborn and how he fits in this defense uh, as the Mike linebacker. And, you know, I think that's 
a really good indication that he should be in play for a starting job next year. Uh, you can see because if Iberflus feels like he's a good fit for this defense and he's able to keep performing like he has in his second start, I mean, I mean, the, the, I think the future is bright for him. I, I had a really fun time watching him play, and I'm excited to see what he has uh, for the rest of the season. Same here. And and if you are uh, a subscriber to our show and have listened in the past, uh, you might know that in the third segment we talk about uh, sports betting a little bit. And we give uh, we give predictions, Alyssa. I don't know if we're always good at it, but mm-hmm. lately we've been good at it. We have found a trend with the Bears. Back-to-back weeks, we have nailed it. And we're, we might ride that train again this week against Atlanta. We'll tell you what that bet is. And just free money, if you like free money. All right, we're back week 11. Week 11, Alyssa. Whew, wow. Thanksgiving next week. I can believe that. Crazy. Uh, Bears at Falcons. The Bears are three-point dogs heading to Atlanta. The Falcons are coming off a little mini-bye week. Uh, the Bears enjoyed one of those. Playing their best football since their little mini-bye week. Um, so hopefully the, the Fal- point. Yeah, so hopefully the Falcons don't do the same. They lost a real ugly one to Carolina on Thursday night of last week. Uh, and what's interesting about this ballgame, again, the Bears are three-point dogs on the road. Uh, but we're, we're looking at the total, right? We've been looking at the total. Ever since the Bears kind of blew up their defense at the trade deadline, we were saying, well, you know, the offense has actually been pretty good. This is before they put four games together, right, Alyssa? It was like they had a couple good games, and we're like, Fields is kind of looking good out there. It's The offense is hot, but the defense can't stop anyone. So why is the, the total in the mid-40s? Let's bet the over. Uh, now, that worked back-to-back weeks, uh, including last week's game against Detroit. I can't remember what the line was, Alyssa, to you. It was like 48 and a half or something like that. Uh, yes, 40 and a half. Yep. You came on here. You were like, let's go over. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm with you. Let's go over. Uh, <laughs> so I think the week before, that was my idea. You loved it. Last week, it was your idea again. I loved it. And now we're going to try to talk ourselves into it again. The line this week is 50 and a half. Uh, so the market is starting to catch on to our idea here, right? That the Bears are a really good offense that scores tons of points, but they can't stop anyone. <laughs> so this is very brilliant analysis <laughs> right there. Uh, but Again, why would you put the total in the 40s when the Bears, over the last four weeks, their average total, when you compare their points and the opponents, the average per game is 63.25. Like, that is like ridiculous. 63.25 <laughs> average points scored in the last four Bears games, if you could believe that. And that includes the one where the Patriots scored 14 points. Okay, I'm including that one in there. That's how crazy this has been. So the, the amount of points is wild. It's wild. At 50 and a half, while that is better, Good job, Las Vegas. Good job, typical sports book. You're, you're catching on. Uh, it might still be too low, right, Alyssa? It might still be too low because the Falcons' defense, as I said earlier, not good. They have the worst pass defense in football. A little bit better against the run, so we'll see what kind of resistance they can put up against the Bears. Probably not much <laughs> with the way the Bears can run it. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just don't see the Falcons putting up a ton of on defense. I don't think the Bears can stop anyone. I don't care who it is. Marcus Mariota. Desmond Ritter, their rookie, who uh, the coach says isn't going to play. They're sticking with Mariota, who was horrible last week. But whatever. Fine. Mariota, I don't care who the quarterback is. The Bears are going to give up points. It just it, That's just the way it is. I don't care how good Jack Sanborn is. We can't stop anyone, Alyssa. We traded our best players away. So I still yeah. want to bet the over. Do you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's funny because like, when we had this conversation back, uh, I think uh, after the, the Patriots game, yeah, when it was we the kinda, Cow- when Cowboys the was the first one. Up. It was the Cowboys one was the first one we yeah. liked the over. 
Oh, that was, yeah, where we just kind of talked about, like, how, oh, my goodness, like, could could we be talking about them losing in shootouts, like, on a weekly basis? And that, like, happened since the Cowboys game. <laughs> uh, and that's something I could see happening here again. I mean, like you said, defense, not good. Uh, but the Bears' offense, they've been averaging 31 points over the last month. And I really don't see that slowing down, especially against this Falcons team. And like you said, I don't have the faith in the Bears' defense to stop anybody. And even if they do hold them to, like, what, 20 or something, I could see the Bears, like, I'm not going out and scoring close to 40. Uh, it's, you know, this is the perfect ch- chance to be able to do that, too. So, I mean, we've been riding the over, Ryan, and I think we're going to keep riding it until the wheels fall off the bus. <laughs> 100%. We're, we're staying on it. It's like the Justin Fields heater. we got to ride our own heater. Uh, yeah, since that Dallas game... Uh, so, okay, so here's what actually happened. So the Dallas game, in our commentary after that one, when Dallas beat the Bears 49-29, <laughs> a lot of points scored in that game, 49-29, Dallas won. We were like, ooh, look at what the Bears did against Dallas. We were impressed with what they did against the Cowboys defense, and they put up 33 the week before against New England. So we're like, all right, let's bet the over against Miami. That was, that was the first one we did, right? So we, we bet the over against Miami. Uh, and it was 35-32, so we were 100% right on that one. The Dolphins are awesome on offense. They did their thing, but Fields, that was kind of his big breakout game, I think, where he really just, everybody started running with it, right? All the talk shows, everyone. Uh, everyone was like on yeah. Fields fever. Fields fever spreading outside of Chicago, finally. It's now a pandemic, Fields fever. Uh, so we hit that, and then last week, you were like, oh no, we the, the total's in the 40s. We got to go over again, and boom, 31-30. It was the final of that game against the Lions. So 50 and a half is better. It's still probably too low because the Falcons can put up some points. They're not like this anemic offense. They're not great, but they can put up some points. They will put up some points. And I don't, I just don't see them stopping the bears. I think the bears are going to keep doing their thing, Alyssa. And uh, yeah, so I think instead of trying to pick, oh, are the bears going to cover this three point spread? Probably. I, I like it. Again, I'm worried about them at the end of a game, though. I don't know how that fourth quarter is going to go. So betting the spread is hard with this team. But when you bet the over, you could just root for them to score a bunch of points, which they've been doing anyway. So I think that's what I want to do. If we're making an official pick, we're going to ride this thing till the wheels come off, just as you just said. Uh, The Falcons are 31st in total yards allowed per game. Uh, So they're just not... They allow a lot of yards. They allow a lot of points. They're not a good defense. They're not a good football team. Bet the over. Hammer the over. Who's coming with us? Who wants free money? Let's go. That's the take. <laughs> right. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I feel like after what the Bears offense has showed us over the last month, I mean, how would you not go with the over at this point and what you've seen from the defense? And I mean, I'm going to keep going with it. I mean, until maybe it reaches the 60s, because like I'm thinking about when they play the Eagles or when they play the Bills. And like, I do believe that they can hang that offense can hang and score points. I don't think they're going to win. Uh, necessarily, but I do think that those are going to be some high-scoring games. So, like, could we be talking about like <laughs> over under that's like near sixty at this point? Like, I don't. I mean, I don't think they're willing to go that high. But I mean, I'm just going to keep taking the over until the offense proves me wrong. Yeah, I think we'll literally see odds makers in the, in that game against the Bills probably go up to like fifty-four or fifty-five. I think it's going to keep climbing if they keep <laughs> scoring like this. It has to. It has. It's climbed yeah. each of the last three weeks. Um, and it's now a trend. It's not, you know, just a fluke. The Bears are scoring a ton of points on offense. Uh, what's going on, Bears Wire, between now and kickoff, Alyssa? You're previewing this game. How do you, what do you think about this game when you start, as you start diving into it on Bears Wire? 
Do you yeah. think this is one the Bears match up well with the Falcons? What do you think? Yeah, no, this is this is going to be a, a big game for Bears fans uh, because this is going to be uh, the return of Ryan Pace, who is with the Falcons, oh, and just how one. many former Bears are on that roster. And I mean, at the same time, it's kind of like Bears fans, you know, should be thankful for Ryan Pace for one reason, and that's that he landed Justin Fields, right? So, like, it's hard to hate him. <laughs> Yes. Uh, even though with everything that's happened, he's got a free pass because he landed the quarterback. He landed fields. If not for Ryan Pace, we wouldn't have Justin Fields. So like, thank you, Ryan Pace. I'd like to thank you for your service and leaving us a parting gift before you left. But yeah, we're going to have on Bears wire, lots of, of coverage about this game. I think they match up pretty well. Um, and there is a lot of familiar faces that are on that Falcons roster, uh, obviously. So we're going to be covering that angle a lot. I mean, there's, there's a lot to get to this game and, you know, I think they should have beaten the Lions. I think that this Falcons game is, you know, again, one of those, like, I guess one of those, like, final win opportunities that you can say with confidence that they have a really good opportunity to beat this team. I do feel like with Justin Fields, I mean, you can win any week, but then you have that defense. But at the same time, this is a game that, you know, you would hope the Bears go in there and the offense dominates. You maybe like to see a little progress from the defense. Uh, and you'd love to beat Ryan Pace and, you know, have – you know, the quarterback that he drafted, uh, do it. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. The Ryan Pace, uh, hopefully not revenge game, but the right, the Ryan Pace, uh, welcome home. Well, te- technically the bears are going to Atlanta, but you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. And I just keep coming back to the whole, thank you. Thank you, Ryan Pace for Justin Fields. <laughs> yes. Good job, Ryan Pace again. Yes. We, appreciate you. We, we do appreciate <laughs> you. We survived the first round pick you traded and all that. We're, we're through it and we're now on to greener pastures. Good luck. Best of luck to you in Atlanta. Yeah, there are some familiar faces. Cordero Patterson, right? You could probably, that could be a good post, right? All the, all the familiar faces on this oh, team. Yeah. That'll be a good one. Uh, and, and speaking of faces, the uh, Falcons coach, Arthur Smith, uh, here's a good take on the Falcons that I'm sure Bears fans uh, will love. Uh, he's a man with a very punchable face, Alyssa, right? I, I think you'll see that, Bears fans, during the game on Sunday. I'm, I'm sure he's a great person. Love him. Like, fine. He, I'm sure he's great. That face on the sideline, very punchable. That's my take on the Falcons. That's my big take on Arthur Smith and the Falcons. I just feel like he's got a punchable face. That's it. Uh, (laughs) But he did say, in all seriousness, he did say that there's no quarterback controversy. I think Falcons fans are kind of waiting impatiently for for rookie Desmond Ritter, the the star quarterback from Cincinnati. He led Cincinnati to the uh, college football playoff last year or two years ago. I, I forget. I think it was maybe two years ago. I don't know. Uh, no, that was last year. So Desmond Ritter, the rookie, they're, they're, uh, I think Falcons fans are ready to, to see their own rookie talent, to see what he's got, but they continue to be forced yeah. to watch Marcus Mariota. So, oh, it, man. It's good and not you to be in that another boat. thing, it's interesting because, you know, Fal- and I already saw this uh, on that Thursday night game when they lost to the Panthers about how Falcons fans were already, you know, just getting ready for Justin Fields to obliterate them. And they were like, why didn't we draft Justin Fields? Like, yep. I mean, so there's, there's that too. Cause I mean, I mean, yes, you got Desmond Ritter, but I mean, you're, you're having Justin Fields, the guy you passed on uh, coming to town and uh, probably about to light you up. Okay. Okay. Not probably. He's going to light you up. until he proves <laughs> me otherwise. So, I mean, it's, it's gotta be, a, it's gonna be a tough pill for them to swallow for sure. <laughs> oh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of teams are eating that thing, right? The Panthers. Yeah who are, I think are going back to Baker Mayfield. It's like quarterback carousel for the Panthers. They could have drafted fields. The Broncos could have drafted fields. I think they're happy. That, I think they're happy with Pat Sertan. He looks like a 
cornerstone number one corner. He's he's probably their best player. So it's not like they got it wrong, but they could have had Justin Fields. They passed on him at number nine. We could do that all day, Alyssa. We yeah. could say go back and say. Would, would you rather have a franchise quarterback or a franchise cornerback? Oh, it's quarterback, <laughs> quarterback. Yeah. Well, would you rather uh, have? Thank you, Sam. Yeah. yeah, it's it's funny, though, because you look at the Broncos and the Bears and the Broncos did what, like, I mean, I was pounding the table. For we, wanted Wilson. we wanted them. We wanted them. I really was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, they are what the Bears, that's what the Bears would have looked like, yeah. is the Broncos. We would have been like, so miserable. I am so thankful. Yeah. So thankful it never happened. We'd have no first round picks for the next, like, three years. It would have been, like, we would just been miserable. So, no, thank God. Everything's good. We're good. We're heading in the right direction. And we have the number six pick right now. Uh, next year, which is yeah. good, which is a very good thing. And we can afford to win a couple and just stay in the top 10. I think that would be fine with the way this team is. So, all right. Good stuff as always from Alyssa. Check her stuff out on Bears Wire if you could. Uh, always great uh, articles on there, including, again, go check out all the records Justin Fields broke in Week 10 alone. That shows you how, how amazing that quarterback has been recently. There's a whole list of records he broke. So go check that out. And, and check us out next week. We'll be back right before Thanksgiving. For Bears Falcons. And we'll, and we'll break down what happened in that game and then look ahead. We'll catch you then. Bear down. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.